A healthy December to you. Leah Peek here. Today's guest uses classic and cutting-edge tech tools for keeping his audiences awake and engaged. Stay tuned to find out who's keeping it cool on the Present Beyond Measure Show, Episode 62. Welcome to the Present Beyond Measure Show, a podcast at the intersection of analytics, data visualization, and presentation awesomeness. You'll learn the best tips, tools, and techniques for creating analytics, visualizations, and presentations that inspire data-driven decisions and move you forward. If you're ready to get your insights understood and acted upon, you're in the right place. And now your host, Leah Pika. Hey, listeners, welcome to the 62nd episode of the Present Beyond Measure show, the only podcast at the intersection of presentation, data visualization, storytelling, and analytics. This is the place to be if you're ready to make maximum impact as a data practitioner and create credibility through thoughtfully presented insights and ideas. And you are here today either because you are just banging your head against a wall, trying to figure out how to keep audiences engaged and awake and interested, especially in a virtual context now, or you are just really dying to hear the guest's secret hobby during that good old wildcard question at the end. Get some every time. This episode is brought to you by my pals over at Supermetrics. Supermetrics is an amazing data tool that picks up all the marketing data you need and brings it into your favorite reporting, analytics, or storage platform, whether that's a spreadsheet, a data visualization tool, or a marketing data warehouse. Over 14,000 businesses use Supermetrics to speed up their data processing time to market by connecting your data sources and performing the hygiene that is super boring and cumbersome. So you spend less time cleaning and organizing data and more time analyzing, visualizing, and communicating data, which is obviously the fun part about working with data. So visit leahpika.com slash supermetrics to start your free 14-day trial of this amazing solution for cleaner, faster, and more accurate data. And be sure to use my exclusive discount code PICA, P-I-C-A, to get 20% off all your Supermetrics solutions. So we are closing in on the end of 2020. And what can I say? We're certainly not out of the woods of a tremendously challenging year that offered many lessons to learn. And I have to say, I'm just incredibly impressed by the resilience and the fortitude that the data and digital community keeps coming out swinging with. We are really sticking together and help each other. And I appreciate that. There's nothing too much to report at the moment. I have some really exciting projects kind of in the works for next year, including my very first book. So I'll be sharing more information about that as I get closer to editing my first draft. Very exciting. And I have some really fun podcast guests scheduled for you. I think you're going to find the next one so fun. And it has to do with reviewing some of the most fascinating ways data was visualized in 2020. It's going to be a new annual segment and I think you're going to love it. So as usual, I'm excited for today's guests, never changed. But in particular, this analytics practitioner is also turned analytics workshop trainer and professional speaker like me. 
We became fast friends online, and his charisma is really a lot to learn from. Definitely pay attention to how his passion really turns into a desire to keep his audiences on the edge of their seats. So let's dive in. All right. Today's guest is a Digital Analytics Association Certified Web Analyst and Associate Manager of Digital Analytics and BI at Course 5 Intelligence. He was recently recognized by the Analytics India Magazine as one of the top five data science mentors in June 2020. He's also a DAA Quantis Award finalist in the Difference Maker category alongside yours truly. He is a passionate public speaker, corporate trainer, mentor, and he has trained over 2,000 students from 20 plus educational institutions. During his free time, he is a very sought out analytics speaker at seminars, webinars, online events, and organizations. Please help me welcome Nidal Feroz. Hello. Hello, Leah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's a great opportunity to be here on this podcast. I'm so glad you decided to join. You know, I caught wind of you on LinkedIn when you announced your nomination for Difference Maker in the DAA Quantis, and I was really impressed with your analytics and speaking credentials and also your seemingly very high passion for the field of data, which I love so much. So everyone loves a great origin story. I would love for you to share with us how it is you came to fall into the wacky, wonderful field of data and how did you get to be here today? Yeah, I think my origin story is, you know, different from uh, a lot of others' origin stories in terms of how people went searching for, you know, data and analytics, uh, you know, had an interest in going towards that particular field and then ending up there. But mine was more of a coincidence. So I was in my uh, MBA post-graduation and uh, there were there was placement season. And then I noticed this job profile and, and the set of interviewing techniques by the organization, which is the current organization that I'm a part of. It was completely different. It's typical from the typical marketing finance kind of roles. It was, you know, a different mm. kind of a profile. And we had like a shark tank kind of a, you know, selection round where we had to pitch some ideas from teams. And then, you know, we had to convince the recruiters. So that was a different kind of an experience. Ever since I got into analytics uh, from my first job, I've never regretted that because, you know, <laughs> one thing about me is, uh, you know, I love math. I love numbers. And that's one of the reasons I was a quantitative aptitude trainer. And I've, I used to love solving those time, speed and distance problems and th those kind of, you know, quantitative mm -hmm. aptitude problems. So numbers have always been a, a great interest for me. So that's how I found my passion and fire in analytics. And then ever since that, I think DA has been a great stepping stone for me in terms of building out my network, mm. uh, you know, taking part in events and also to also start giving back to the community in some form or shape. So that's in a nutshell, you know, my origin story. That's fantastic. You know, I don't think I've met a single person who fell into analytics and say they regretted that decision <laughs> or that path. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a there's a unique mix of skills that makes one really suited for it. And I think it's it's fantastic. So you've definitely carved a real path and name for yourself in this field. And one of the things I'm interested in, you know, exploring on this is 
not only how you present information that is compelling, but how that has influenced your career path itself in terms of becoming a subject matter expert. So how would you say that what's the role that presenting and presenting data influenced your career, especially now as a trainer? Yeah, so I think one of the starting points when I started presenting data, again, was during my post-graduation when I used to have subjects where I had, had to create PowerPoint presentations, uh, go prepared, and then, uh, you know, start presenting in, in classrooms. That's when I started out. And I think one of the things that differentiated me from, from others where I used to have some of these really cool templates, especially when you're starting out, you depend a lot on those kind of templates and, you know, that helps. But then I used to search and find the right template that fits the theme and then use those in my presentations. Mm -hmm. Later on in my journey, you know, closer to now, I've, I've actually shifted from that approach slightly in terms of creating my own style, my own set of slides and, and those kind of things. But mm -hmm. I think that's one area where uh, I started out with presenting and also standing out a bit from the crowd in terms of how my presentations seem from, you know, others ones. And, and right now, I think, so I've been doing workshops, I've been doing these kind of uh, presentations and analytics uh, talks at, at different types of events. And in those cases, what really helps me is putting together uh, a thought process into those slides a bit in advance and then going with the flow. So I, uh, the preparation really helps. And also, you know, having an end goal in terms of what you're trying to put into the form of slides, uh, that has really helped. That's fantastic. You know, I agree with you. I find that things become much easier and also much more impactful when you develop a process, when you develop a method that makes sense for you and you can come back to each time to get to a certain outcome. What are some of the key characteristics of your process of how you think about putting together a presentation? You know, if you had to say like, this is one part is my secret sauce if you'd able, be able to share. Yeah, I think my secret sauce is, you know, really the preparation that goes behind it. Uh, okay. behind the mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and <laughs> the reason why I say that is because, you know, I tend to have these uh, notes and the notes, I, I basically even recite those notes. It's not really for learning something by heart and then actually saying it out in a presentation. It's actually for having that thought process in my mind that this is how my story is going to look like. This is where it's going to start. Mm. Um, this is where, uh, you know, these are the points where I'll probably take a two second pause and then, you know, emphasize. And then towards the end, what is the key uh, theme that I actually want people to, uh, you know, grasp from the entire presentation. Mm. So okay. I feel even the last 15 minutes before a presentation, I, I feel I'm super powerful because the amount of things I can do in the last 15 minutes, sometimes, you know, there are those situations when you're not prepared also, mm -hmm. uh, where you are, you, you really can achieve a lot in 15 minutes. You're able to kind of move things around, get in the right setup, do a light sound or whatever checks. Also make sure, making sure that, you know, all the slides are in line. So I think I've had uh, some of those game changing 15 minutes before my presentation, because if I did not have those 15 minutes, my presentation could be trashed. And then in those 15 minutes, I could, you know, kind of transform. I think one thing I also learned from you, I think, you know, in one of your recent talks, you spoke about uh, the through line uh, yeah. that that presentation should have. So I think that that's an immense learning for me. I mean, um, I've started <laughs> testing that out a bit. Yeah, it's, it's super helpful. Yeah, I appreciate that. I want to make sure everyone is listening 
preparation is the key to success. <laughs> it's interesting because preparation, I think, touches on the entire part of the process. It's preparing your thoughts and your concepts and data in the beginning, but it's also preparing to speak when you go in there, right? And I tend to see that that's the most, the area of most resistance for a lot of practitioners because they just don't have any tools to do that. And also it's not like a required part of the process. It, you are required to walk into a presentation with yourself and your slides, but you're not required to have really prepared <laughs> any of those things in a certain way. So I appreciate that. And I, I appreciate the shout out for the through line as well. So, you know, what he's referring to is that every single TED talk requires something called a through line before a speaker can take the stage. And it's essentially the theme of the entire presentation boiled down to one sentence and that every single idea in that presentation can fall into that sentence, supports that sentence, and that anything that strays outside of that is going to distract and derail your presentation. So I'm curious, it's also something I teach in my courses, but I'm curious, have you used the through line at all in your presentations or what struck you as helpful about that? Yeah, I think uh, what uh, struck me as helpful is because, you know, it stitches together everything, right? Uh, there are so many disconnected elements and mm. it's, it's also also hard to get people's attention focused on something. So I think especially when in analytics use cases, there are sometimes these deep dives when there is a focus area, there is a core problem statement uh, that you're trying to deep dive, discover, further drill down into. But then the more you get into details, sometimes, you know, the, the more probably the more amount of detail or the more amount of numbers you have on your slides, there are cases when, you know, you tend to deviate away from the core or the theme topic. Mm -hmm. and, and then, you know, I think that's that's where it, it's super helpful to actually bring everybody back to the point. And, and it's it's just like how probably in, a, in meetings with set agendas, the conversations sometimes go, you know, mm -hmm. on a different tangent. And then there's somebody always who's trying to bring people back on the common uh, theme that was initially intended to be spoken about. And then, you know, I think that's that's got a good connection there. It's a really good point. Meetings, I think, are accustomed to not having a clear theme or a proper container. So naturally, people will veer off into whatever path they're most concerned about. So for me, the through line acts like a corral for the cats that you're trying to herd for this one. <laughs> hour that you're sitting with them. And it is the place to return to. So I really appreciate you bringing that up. What do you think are the areas that practitioners are struggling with most when presenting information, especially this year in a virtual environment? I think that's a good question. And I've been part of some presentations when I feel that, you know, if I had a chance to kind of make some slight improvements there, you know, there, there, there are definitely scope for improvements. And sometimes there are moments when you can give feedback to that person. There are moments when you can't. Sometimes it's not really a, a two-way conversation. But then I think there is a difficulty in, uh, for example, I'll, I'll take a case of a simple Excel table or a set of columns of data that gets displayed on a slide. You really need to know which are the columns that really add up to your story. And if it doesn't add up to your story, so you either need to fade those out or you, you need to not display them at all. Right. And I think, um, you know, even with visualization, so I'm, I'm sure you're you're familiar with the concept of pre-attentive attributes and how yes. you use those pre-attentive attributes to differentiate 
those particular data points that people need to focus on, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's very simple, right? For example, if you're using Excel, conditional formatting is very basic, right? Using a green to red or, you know, that kind of thing. And that really helps people to look at the same point where you don't need to have a stick and actually show that, right? That look here. <laughs> you know, people will automatically look uh, right. there where, where, yeah. So I think uh, that's one thing uh, which is very, very simple to implement. However, people need to be, I think, educated about it or I think there's scope for improvement there. I couldn't agree more. I always tell people emphasizing and storytelling with data is actually quite simple. You don't need a degree in Python or training in R to tell a compelling data story. But you do actually need to understand things like pre-attentive attributes, which are elements of like a visual stimulized piece of information that speak to different parts of our brain, such as color or boldness or spacing gaps. These are things our brains are attuned to look for and interpret for information. It's so funny that you bring up color because for me, that's one of the most important pre-attentive attributes to focus on for storytelling. And I was working with a client recently. And what I noticed was that in one place on a report, the information, like a KPIs that were under goal or projection were colored red, which makes sense from a cultural interpretation standpoint. But then that same exact color red was used to distinguish the prior year's performance for something. So my brain immediately associated that performance with something bad or something that needs attention when it meant something completely differently. And that's a cultural conversation that, you know, this group has to have. But that's the kind of thing to be conscious of when you're making decisions. I agree. What do you think? Yep, I think choosing the right colors needs a bit of sensitizing or, you know, training or or letting people know that you can't sometimes use these set of colors. And it's it's an extensive topic. I think I've seen at least, you know, a lot of resources which talk about which colors to use, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to accessibility for one, people with color blindness, for example, they're not able to see all the colors the same way. And also there are cases where like, you know, there's, there's also the color wheel, I've heard people quoting, if you're using a color, then try to use a complementary color, which Mm. looks better if used in combination with something. Mm -hmm. And obviously, there are some resources that I always refer to, which have these like, you know, templates, which are, you know, you don't need to choose or think much. But then there's this set of colors that really go well with each other. And yeah, I think you have to kind of factor in a few of those things. And like you said, very rightly, you are showing something in red, if it is isn't meant to indicate something negative people will still by default have that, you know, it's it's difficult to, yeah. Oh, exactly. So I'm curious, you are obviously a trainer for analytics, so you must have to teach complex concepts and, and make them accessible for people. What are some of the ways that you train people on such complex information? Do you use analogies? I would just love to know, because that's one of the top questions that I get from this audience? Yeah, that's a great question. In fact, so I've been doing some uh, Tableau workshops recently, right? So there's a concept of joins and unions, which confuses people, you know, which one, which set is uh, is joins, which set is unions. 
So one thing I've used is, you know, visual representation of how it actually looks with actual examples, right? So uh, I did use color coding to basically highlight which cells from each table or which columns from each table are getting matched with the columns from the other table when you're using a certain type of join mm-hmm. or when you're using a certain type of union. So I've, I've been able to use color as a pre-attentive attribute to actually, you know, visually represent examples of actual, uh, not actual data, probably dummy data, but then like a real time or like a real life scenario, right? Uh, basically. So trying to replicate some of those scenarios, I think that's one. And sometimes when it gets complex, I think what helps to really uh, break it down and help people understand is if you are able to bring in some practical examples, which are like, you know, which they're able to relate with uh, very easily. For example, there's a concept of continuous versus discrete data types. Mm -hmm. So when somebody asks me, you know, I read so many definitions about it. I watched a lot of YouTube videos. I'm not able to understand what it is, right? And then some, <laughs> you know, I look for these very common examples, like, you know, for example, our age, age is always a discrete number because, you know, it always increases by one unit, but your human weight is a continuous because, you know, it can have a continuous range of values ah. between, you know, yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> you just answered a question that I've been not sure about ever since I even started working with Tableau. That's fascinating thank you (laughs) no problem no problem yeah but yeah i think that's something that really helps you know trying to think of those examples so it's difficult to forget or not understand a concept once you have it really clicks in your mind right Mm -hmm. so it's 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 actually uh you just need to get that person to that point where they are crystal clear that you know this is what it is and then there's no going back there's never been a more important time for presenting data accurately confidently and impactfully to your stakeholders and clients. If you're a leader or agency owner whose team is responsible for driving database decisions and keeping satisfied clients, and if you've tried other data storytelling courses, trainings, or instructors in the past who missed the mark, I get it. With over seven years of experience training data and digital practitioners in the unique art and science of presenting data, who knows the unique challenges of this field, having been in it myself for 12 years, I'm ready to help. I offer both live, virtual, and online course solutions with ongoing learning support options that suit your specific organization's needs. Visit leahpika.com slash workshops to schedule your strategy session with me and we'll get started on your custom training solution today. That's leahpika.com slash workshops. I love that so much. A lot of my guests talk about relating a complex concept because you'll you'll go to Wikipedia and see the definition of it and you think, I'm more confused than I was before. But as soon as you choose live examples that are in the real world that an audience can relate to and picture, especially visually, as you said, then it becomes attached as a reference point for that definition. And now I know I will never forget what (laughs) the distinction between those two, because I have those examples. I can picture them. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So in terms of delivering presentations, I get the sense that you take care to really make sure like, you know, you're super articulate and you obviously have loads of experience. So what are some ideas you have about how you actually prepare for the speaking part? 
in terms of preparing for the speaking part so if there is an order in which i'd like to uh, share my thoughts or ideas i keep some placeholders within the slide itself so that helps me kind of give it's like a cue that you know there's there's something and i think one thing that needs to be very important here is you know i've i've been in a part of a presentation earlier where somebody had notes written at the footer of the presentation okay on the and it's visible to the the people who are part of the presentation also mm-hmm. and then that person called out at the beginning of the, of the presentation that you know these notes are for me uh, it's not for you so mm-hmm. don't waste time reading it basically and mm-hmm. it won't make sense to you but i i don't believe in that concept because you know <laughs> we always look out for you know distractions i mean it's it's hard to uh, stay focused on a presentation unless it's super attention catching and if that person is you know like really getting your attention but uh, i think uh, people tend to get distracted very easily mm-hmm. one of the reasons why i have disabled all the notifications on my phone uh, yes. <laughs> because you know i tend to get distracted when focusing on something else but then yeah i i believe if there are notes or visual cues it should also make sense to the user to see that cue and be able to relate with what i am speaking about at the same time so i use those cues sometimes i think that's something that helps me while presenting actually there are a couple of things that actually uh, help me get the flow so i i also recall you mentioning about you know progressive disclosure and how you use certain animations and mm-hmm. then you know just show a bit at a time yes. so that people don't start reading <laughs> so and also i i've recently discovered a couple of really cool things so in the presentation view if you are using powerpoint you actually have an option to get like a laser pointer right which is super mm. cool i mean it it kind it's like a you know how you would use that laser pointer in a physical setting right yeah. it's it's very cool and there's also the option where you are able to keep the snapshot of one slide within another one and then in the presentation mode when you click into that slide it opens up zooms in and then focuses into that so i use those when there are times when people ask you to put so much of detail into one slide uh, <laughs> really I mean, no yeah that, that that doesn't make sense right <laughs> yeah i'm sure i'm sure you you are you know against doing that probably yeah no no the more on the slide the better that's definitely my nope not my mantra you know it, it's <laughs> it's so funny that you talk about some of these things like putting notes on a slide and then asking your audience to not look at them not pay attention basically the best way to get a human brain to pay attention to something is to tell it to not pay attention so it's like putting them in a room with a giant red button and saying whatever you do don't push the red button <laughs> of exactly, course right? yeah. that's all they're going to be able to think about so it really is amazing as soon as you draw attention to something in the effort to draw away you're really only drawing too so i'm really glad that you brought that up that's really insightful i love some of the tools that you're mentioning in powerpoint as well i actually just noticed for the first time when i was screen sharing through zoom a presentation my colleague used their zoom to draw on top of my slide to point out some stuff like they had the ability to actually mark up on my screen that i was sharing which i thought was really neat too if people want to point to things or ask questions about things well yeah i think i also had a similar experience but that was somebody trying to you know <laughs> draw random stuff and you know stick figures yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, i think uh, this is also the option where you can uh, you know show the name of the person who's actually doing it So, you know, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. 
Oh, yes. The online environment has provided so many interesting quirks to our presentations, especially with online now. What are some of the techniques that help you get good engagement from the audience, whether it's a talk, a webinar, training? Yeah, I think I've been uh, using, uh, you know, I, I, I tried. So I was part of a local meet, actually, where they were using a a Kahoot at the end of the session. So a Kahoot is uh, probably you're familiar with it. It's a quiz where, you know, you get real-time scores and then, you know, people are able to participate. The quicker you answer, you get more points and things like that. So I think, oh, cool. yeah, I think that's a, that's a good resource I found, uh, which helps people to, you know, you don't need a summary slide, you do a Kahoot. So a summary slide is where you do a, show a list of one to five, these are the key takeaways. But mm -hmm. rather than doing that, just do a quiz and then people can actually, uh, you see the scores real time as, uh, you know, after every question. So that's that's something that super engages the crowd because, you know, they get excited to be. So there's also this app called uh, QuizUp, uh, right? So people who are very much into quizzes, I've also been, you know, an, a quiz enthusiast. So I've done that myself before. So it's very similar to the concept. Mm -hmm. Oh, that, I, lo I just love all these resources that you're dropping. This is so great because secretly I'm like, I'm going to <laughs> check these out. Yeah, I um, only recently really started working with uh, virtual audience engagement tools like that. A client pointed me to something called Mentimeter. I think I've mentioned it before on the show. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. have you used it? Yes, uh, I have used it. I, I have used both. I think Kahoot is actually slightly better with oh, the okay. amount of yeah, the visual. Uh, and I think... There's some game changers about Kahoot, you know, which I have felt to be a better uh, option. So, you know, you can you should check it out. Cool. Definitely. And also, so apart from Kahoot, I think so uh, in, in the uh, live session sometimes for, you know, data visualization or Tableau, I've been using version A or version B, which is like, you know, two A and B versions of the, the same visual representation or the same data, right? which one is actually better and and the question is thrown out to the audience and then they have to choose one mm -hmm. of those two and also justify which one that really creates engagement so you just need to you know wait a few seconds before the first person starts off and then it's like a chain and then everybody has opinions and you know in case you want to really engage your audience that really helps i've found that to be very helpful oh i love that so much especially getting people involved when they get whenever anyone gets to weigh in on their opinion that is a definite engagement piece so i love the idea do you do that for things like weighing in on potential test winners i know that that's a really great use case from a previous episode with valerie kroll from search discovery where she would have her audience predict which one was the winner and then reveal the answer yeah, I actually, uh, you know, attended the search discovery workshop during the BA1 conference. Nice. And, you know, she, she did something similar. So it was really uh, a great workshop. So I loved some of the insights. I think one common insight that I found very, very related uh, is that, you know, in Adobe Workspace, so if you are into web analytics, in Adobe Analytics Workspace, if you name your panels with the insight or the key theme that you want to convey, that makes it super easy for people to read rather than hmm. just keeping a common title which says sales by country or whatever it is, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think that's that's another key insight that I got from there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was... Absolutely. Uh, Every time you tell a story rather than just saying what something is, people are going to do less work to figure out whatever your visual is trying to tell them. But it's also going to not bore them to tears from sales by a country. This is not a story. 
Yep, exactly. So in terms of speaking again and presenting, I think that every speaker is on a path of growth, obviously. So what's an area that's, you know, an opportunity for growth for you? Like, what are you working on right now on yourself? Yeah, I think I've been focused on speaking a bit. So uh, I've been uh, focused on analytics talks, uh, speaking at events, colleges, webinars. But I think I want to also get into writing, right? Hmm. So speaking is, is something that I've been doing. I'm practicing, you know, in when I say practice, this is the actual talks that I'm doing. So I've been trying to get my calendar completely filled with as many talks that I can do, right? Mm-hmm. Outside of all the working hours that I have. So which consumes my weekends and everything. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I think writing is one area where I started setting up uh, my own blog and I want to put in, put out nice. some content. So that's some place that where I'm headed. Yeah. Oh, well, when that's ready, definitely send along the link and I'll make sure it's on the show notes page for this. I can't wait to see that. So of course, one thing people love to know is what's your tool of choice or tools in terms of both visualizing data and presenting data? Yeah. So in terms of if I want to analyze data, especially web analytics data, my tool of choice is Adobe Analytics mm-hmm. and the workspace. I think it re- really deserves a great uh, you know call out because of the dynamic nature of how you can you know randomly drag and drop certain metrics or dimensions and how you are able to instantly visualize and process a lot of data so i think that's really powerful especially when even while you are on a presentation with an adobe workspace report if somebody asks a question you're able to drill down immediately and look at certain other dimension and get some answers out of it possibly mm-hmm. so that's one of my tools of choice the other one when it comes to presenting data, not processing data, then it's PowerPoint. So I've, mm-hmm. I've been using PowerPoint extensively. I know there are other tools out there like Prezi, but PowerPoint, I've found you know a comfort. And I think years of uh, usage has actually helped me find some hacks, right? Which, which makes me create some slides, you know, really, pretty quickly and uh, off the fly. Yeah. Mm. Are you able to share one of those hacks? Yeah. So control D is a shortcut that I use sometimes, you know, to uh, duplicate shapes or duplicate objects, text boxes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if, I, if I use that shortcut multiple times, it repeats the same step again, right? So that's a shortcut that I use. And then aligning objects, you know, horizontally slash vertically. That's again a super uh, design element that I use. I recently used that actually in my CV also to put certain icons of all the certifications that I did or other tools that I'm familiar with. So I use the, you know, it's, it's basically like a design thing to equally space blocks of images or mm-hmm. blocks of text. So that's that's a super helpful feature in, in you know, the Microsoft Office Suite or uh, even within PowerPoint. Yeah, those are amazing. Little hacks like that are the key to getting things done quickly so you have more time to prepare. I absolutely love duplicate and alignment. Those are definitely two of my favorites. So before we start to go into the next segment, I'm curious, what has you excited about the future of data storytelling? Like, what are you seeing in terms of trends, especially this year? Did this year teach you anything about (laughs) how data is communicated? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the exciting thing to look forward to is, you know, being able to actually hold on to people's attention in a virtual presentation, right? That's what this yeah. year has taught me the most. If you were actually in front of the people presenting, then it, it's it's easier to actually 
get the attention of the folks and and you know especially when people are not turning on their videos during a meeting and you know mm. you don't really know if people are listening to the things that you're presenting so it's it's very important to i think learn some of those hacks slash techniques that actually help you communicate more effectively mm. so i think that's that's where i'm headed i'm trying and testing out different things like i mentioned earlier you know the kahoot and and mm. those kind of things but then but then you also need to develop your own style without having to depend on some of these uh, these are obviously enhancing or adding on some extra features or functionality but then you need to also build your own style with it right so i think that's where i'm headed Oh, I love that so much. You're right. The future of data storytelling is about communication. I think that people are finally learning that we're not supposed to be lecturing people when we're speaking or training. It is a conversation. And the more that people feel drawn in and asked for their opinion and asked how they're feeling, the more they're going to feel like they're part of something rather than just witnessing something. So I definitely appreciate that advice. Sure, no problem. Yeah. Okay, so we have now entered the segment called The Upgrade, a tool, resource, book, podcast, something that you love that makes your job easier or awesome that you think the listeners would love. So what do you got for us? So some people want to actually, you know, start visualizing, especially, you know, when it comes to Tableau, it's a difficult tool to catch for a first because, you know, there's a slightly bit of overwhelming number of features and the layout and everything. So one resource that has helped me catch up is, you know, a YouTube video series by Andy Kriebel. Oh, uh, yeah. By the name Watch Me Viz. So that's a series that I love, especially because, you know, he has put in a lot of uh, structure in terms of how he starts looking at which are the different chart types that you can use to represent that data mm -hmm. and then creates a list of those chart types. And then he actually starts visualizing the data sets using each of those chart types. And then he crosses some of them off the list because, you know, eventually the data decides how that visual looks. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, there are certain attributes of that data which make it look good. So I think there's also design, there's also the visual element, especially when it comes to Tableau, because Tableau can do it really well in terms of making something look really good. So uh, I think that's a really super helpful resource, especially for me. If you want to start visualizing, I think uh, Andy's videos are uh, really helpful to understand how do you start off? How do you understand that data? Even read the background about it. I think that's the extra two minutes that you're doing or putting in there makes a lot of difference because, you know, context really matters before you start mm. visualizing or before you start. Absolutely. Because you can get easily overwhelmed uh, that, you know, what will I do with this? Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, Andy is fantastic. I'm coming for him in 2021 for <laughs> the show, but he is fantastic. He has some amazing resources. I have not seen that YouTube series, so I'll definitely put that on the page, but you're correct again. Sometimes we just dive right into data without some kind of context or roadmap to what we're even potentially looking for. And I'm all about the sandbox approach, but I often find I zero in on what I'm looking for in the visualization once I have a question or a starting point before diving in. That's great. Can't wait to check that out. So we have arrived at our final question. 
So I want you to really think hard here and imagine this very plausible scenario. You're snapping a selfie while traveling to speak at an analytics conference in exotic Phuket, Thailand. Please, someone schedule one. And when suddenly you trip and fall into a vortex that pulls you back into the moment you're about to deliver your first presentation. Do you remember what you're presenting about and what advice would you give to yesterday you? I'd go back and tell my yesterday me that you've got 10 minutes left. Go and open up your presentation. Go through the slides. Think about what you're going to say. Mm. I know you have prepared a lot. You know, you've read about it earlier. You have put in some thoughts into the slides and then you are thinking, I'll go into the presentation. Once the slides start showing up on the screen, you know, those things will come to me. That's true to an extent. But if you put in like, you know, those extra two minutes or five minutes, just going through those and then let those images or that that thought process form in your mind, Mm -hmm. you'll get an additional boost of confidence. And also your story will be much smoother. So that's what I would tell myself if I were to go back in the day. Mm, That's excellent advice. I appreciate that. And to wrap, you know, obviously, you're one of the final episodes we have for 2020. And this was by far, I think the most challenging year most of us have experienced in this lifetime. So I wonder if you had a message for staying strong for the data community, what would that be? My message to the data community would be if there is a tool that you want to learn, if there is a concept that you want to understand, or if there is something you want to achieve, show up every day, put Mm. in time and, and be consistent in your efforts. There are umpteen uh, amount of resources available out there, but you start slowly. You start with those small steps before you dive in and, and start getting overwhelmed by what, you know, others are doing. Focus on what you did mm. yesterday versus what you're doing today. I think that makes a lot of difference because, you know, people who are Tableau featured authors today, nobody looked at how they became that and, and started off their journey, right? Um, So I think there's a lot of effort that goes behind the curtains, which people don't really see. But then in order to eventually get there, you have to show up every day and and put in that consistent amount of efforts. So I think that's my piece of, you know, golden advice, if I may call it that. That is an amazing message. Look at what you did yesterday compared to what you're doing today. Have you grown? Have you learned? Have you excelled? I love that so much. That's fantastic. It's very similar to how, you you know, sometimes you, you look at benchmarks that are outside of your industry and then try to compare. <laughs> sometimes you just need to benchmark against what was the sales last year, the last month. You know, you're not looking at that internal amount of data that you already have, which you can benchmark against when you start looking out for other industry benchmarks, which may not make sense to compare against because, you know, the background is so different sometimes. So yeah, that that was just a random example that came up and, you know, I thought I'd probably share that as well. That is exactly right. You know, often one of the most common quote annoying questions that my students will ask is like, well, what if someone asks for an industry or competitive benchmark and that doesn't apply? And it's through encouraging that you become your own top competitor. There's no one that's going to help you grow than who you were yesterday. You know, you can always look to see what the market is doing and what the trends are, but it's looking towards yourself and your past performance to gain that baseline to begin with. So you actually can measure how far you've come. And that's whether you're an organization or a department or a single person presenting, right? Yes, that's right. 
<laughs> well, Nadal, so much valuable wisdom dropped today. Unfortunately, our time has run out. So please tell the listeners where they can keep up with you. LinkedIn is the most active, you know, most the place where you'll find me super active. So you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. And yeah, I think I've, I've also listed out some of the resources that I've contributed in the featured post section of my LinkedIn profile. So you can definitely check that out as well. Very nice. And are there any projects that you're particularly excited about right now? Yeah, I'm really excited about the Tableau workshop that I'm doing. There are four batches that I've completed. So I and Komal Patil uh, have been doing this. So that's getting me um, super excited to talk to people who are new to data visualization and analytics and creating and shaping up their first dashboard. So that's that's something that really gets me going. Mm, nice. Okay. Well, all of the links to that and all the list of 50 different tools and <laughs> things that we dropped here, all of those will be available on the show notes page for this episode. Nadal, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm so glad I ran into you in the LinkedIn sandbox. I wish you all the best of luck with how your amazing teaching career is shaping up. And I hope our paths cross again. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And then it was nice talking to you as well. Thank you so much. Cheers. <laughs> All right. So I hope that you have learned a couple of new tools and techniques that you can use to keep your audiences engaged too. I just really love breaking out practitioners who are really making waves in the field. And Nadal is definitely one to watch. Seems awesome. To catch all of the links to register for all of the resources and tools in this episode, visit the show notes page at leahpika.com slash 062. I would love if you could leave a comment or suggestions because I want to hear about the challenges you face when presenting information. Also, starting next year, I'm going to start answering listener questions on the show. I'll be giving you a way to actually record your own questions and have them answered because it's very possible there's another practitioner or presenter out there who has the same question as you. And please, if you like what you've heard and you are on your phone right now listening to iTunes or Spotify, just take a moment to stop what you're doing, hit that subscribe button, and please leave a rating and review. Ratings and reviews are how I know I'm on the right track with content for you, and they affect the rankings so that other practitioners like you with the same challenges and struggles can get the help they need as well. And I'll be reading out my favorite ones on future episodes. And I'll leave you with today's presentation inspiration by the one and only Seth Godin. And that is, if your audience isn't listening, it's not their fault. It's yours. Well, my take is while this quote is a bit heavy handed and I don't like to place blame on people. The fact is, is that when it comes to keeping our audiences engaged and interested, there is more that we can do as presenters than we have ever thought possible, especially today and especially in a virtual environment. It just takes some effort to go out there and find the tools and techniques that are going to help you keep them interested and not distracted. So don't forget take my new assessment to find out what's stopping you from getting the glory and recognition and rewards you deserve from presenting data impactfully. 
Find out the number one silent killer of your data presentation success at leapika.com slash assessment, where you'll get a free customized report that shows and diagnoses your biggest silent killer and my best strategies for overcoming it. So that's it for today. Stay tuned for an amazing new episode in a few weeks to close out this year. Stay well, stay safe, and namaste. Namaste. 